Hello everyone, this is Matt Ferret, author of Prepare for Medicare and Prepare for Social Security Insider's Guidebooks and Online Course Training Series. Welcome to another episode of The Matt Ferret Show, where I interview insiders and experts to help light a path to successful living in midlife, retirement, and beyond. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on on the show. I'm really happy you're here. So tell everybody what you do, how long you've been doing it, and how you help people. Okay. So I have many things that I I do. My focus in life is around compassionate purpose, and I'm very keen on having helping people to find that thing in their life that brings them joy and fulfillment. And what I found is that that is doing things such as volunteering and being involved in social mission. So doing something that's good for the world is actually good for yourself. So I've been doing this. I've been on this on this journey for for some time. I started it with my own social mission, which just kind of happened in my life at a time when I was searching other things. I was searching how you make business better, and I got sidetracked by developing a social mission. And so my social mission was became Chocolate and Coffee Day for Religious Harmony, and that happened in my life at a time when what had happened was that I live in Australia and I live in Melbourne, but in Sydney there was this event where a gunman went into the Lint Chocolate Cafe in Sydney and took everyone hostage. Now, this guy did this in the name of Allah. He was saying flew a jihadist flag and so he was trying to get this message across that this was somehow Islamic. As a result of this, at the end of it, two innocent victims and the gunman passed away, were killed. Now, it left the country, it was kind of the collectively we held our breath because we didn't know how we were going to respond. Would there be an outpouring of hate to the Muslim community? Were they safe to go out? A lot, they were scared. They, Some of them were taking off their religious garb in the street. They would stay home. They were afraid, which is fair enough. Now, the gunman was a crazy man. He was known, known to the police as being, a, being crazy. But, so, but what had happened was 150,000 people flooded social media with the hashtag, I will ride with you. They were offering to ride public transport, the bus, the train, the ferry with Muslims to help make sure that they got to where they wanted to go safely. So that's what happened. We had this outpouring of love instead of this, instead of responding in fear and hate was love and peace. So 12 months later, we've got to do something. Why can't we keep this feeling going? Why can't we continue to reach out in love and peace? And that's when I started Chocolate and Coffee Day for Religious Harmony. So it's just very simple. Reach out to someone different to you and sharing chocolate and coffee and have a conversation because that's when we get to know people and those barriers break away that divide community. Since then, it's like that was 2014, chocolate and coffee day has become chocolate and coffee breaks because we want chocolate and coffee every day. (laughs) And there's lots of other opportunities. So I, I work more into not just religious harmony, but cultural diversity so that people can connect with each other. But that was my social mission. So that's where it all started on this journey when I started to see that, hey, having a social mission does something to you. It lifts you up. It gets you out of bed when you're feeling down. It gives you a 
bigger purpose in life than just going to work. Then I like to integrate the two and found that this is an amazing way of changing the way people feel about going to work. But it wasn't just going to work. It was exploring how individuals get involved in social mission and how they they volunteer with things or they start their own movements or charities. And so I started a podcast, Social Mission Revolution, where I explored that and started to understand what it was about and how it changed people's lives. So that's where I started. And from that, now I've developed, I wrote two books on the, on the subject, which give guidance to people about how they can get involved in social mission, how they can find that perfect volunteer gig that's going to fill their heart, make them feel like they're doing something worthwhile while helping other people. That's a wonderful story. And uh, wow, what a, what a noble thing. And it started with a very, very bad and traumatic thing. And uh, it's turned into something that now in its, I guess, ninth year of iteration, where now you've written books and are trying to help people and really get the message across. It sounds like like this is not only valuable to the community, but it's also valuable to oneself. At what point right, did you, in your journey, decide or understand that while you were creating this, that it also helped you as an individual, not just helping others. Did you did you know that going in, or did you kind of experience that sense of reward, comfort, satisfaction after you started and after it took off? It was definitely not a instant thing. I didn't even think about it at all because it was just something that had been in the back of my mind and then I got to the October of the following year because it was in December and I said to my mother, when's chocolate and coffee day? And she said, I've never heard of it. And it was like, oh, damn, I have to start this. I have to be the one who does this. So I definitely wasn't thinking about what it would mean to me. All I could see that this was a need that, and I had to do it. I can't not do it is kind of my catchphrase that I use. You've got to find that thing that you can't not do. And so I just did it and found out later <laughs> that after the day and after the experience of it the first time, I just kind, it just kind of sat with me and it was like, yeah, this feels good. This is a good thing to be doing. So that's when I started to explore, I started to research, and then I started to talk to people about it and to see what they do and how that feels to them. So it all just kind of came together when I started to find this research that was saying that people who volunteer have happier and healthier lives. They have a greater social network and they live longer. Oh, I think I like that. <laughs> right. Those aren't bad things. Yeah. And so I think that's a really good thing for us to carry into our senior years is to go, hey, I want to fill my life with good people. I want to fill my life with happiness and health. How better to do that than to get involved in some kind of social mission, whether it's volunteering or whatever it is, let's do it and join together and do something great. And you started, the reason I asked that question that way is I would think most people, in air quotes, most people would try to find a place to volunteer and try it out. And you kind of did the opposite as you created a home for people to volunteer even before volunteering yourself. I mean, that's a that's a big difference, right? Is that your recommended way of doing it, of just starting an idea from scratch? Or 
again, given your experience, given you did the hard way first, <laughs> really, <laughs> right? is it, you know, someone thinking about this or it's always in the back of their mind, maybe at church, it, it comes up, maybe in, in, in their uh, professional lives or chances to, to volunteer. Where should people start thinking about this in, in terms of their lives? Is it when is it when the kids are out of the house? Is it when the kids are in the house and you want to create, you know, this is part of their lives? Or is there really no bad time to start thinking about volunteering? I would say there's no bad time to think about it. I have always volunteered in some form or another. So I'd never set out to set up my own thing, my own social mission. What I really believe with with all the research and the conversations that I've had and then my own family experience is that the sooner we can start volunteering in our life, the so- the better. Now, and I, I recognize that we have really busy times in our lives, especially when you have a young family. My own experience when my children were growing up and my husband, I was, I was studying at college. I was doing double diplomas and and things. I was just doing crazy things as well as bringing up the children. And my husband was working 80 hours a week. So I know how busy and stressful life can get. And when I look at that, I see the effects that that kind of lifestyle has on our children. I see that, I see it happening time and time again outside of my own family that that's what's happening. Now, I while I was studying, though, my other focus was purely on my children. So they had that, but it was a luxury in our life that we made that decision. And it's not a luxury that people can necessarily take in this day and age. I don't know what it's like in America, but in Australia, for young couples to get a house or even pay oh. the rent, they need to oh, both yeah. be working. So it's really difficult on on the family life. Now, finding something in their work that fills them up and brings them joy is vital in that. If they just come home stressed from all the work of piling up and up and up, that's the messages they're giving to their children. They're going to come home and they've got, they're just, they can't even deal with their children in many cases. Put them in front of a screen because that's all they can manage. But if they have that spark in them, that somehow what they're doing in life is making a difference to somebody greater than just going to work each day, and they come home with that experience of joy, then that at least is going to give the children something bigger to work towards rather than just making money. So I think that it can it can change the the whole dynamics in a family if there is some kind of element of that. That's a different topic than what we're talking about today. It's a different sure. market. But what I'm getting to here is that when businesses are involved in social mission, then that gives people who are that busy that opportunity to feel like their day-to-day work is making a greater difference in someone's life. Yeah. And if you don't have that at work, then your advice is likely then to go seek it out outside of work. Yeah. How can you do that? Now, while I say that, I know we're busy. So there is so many different ways you can be involved in social mission. For people like that, I definitely do not recommend you go out and start your own thing. (laughs) No, I wouldn't think so. Don't, (laughs) Don't do it. Find something else you can be involved in. But it can be as simple as you can make it. The most simplest thing that I can think of off the top of my head 
is that I have a friend who during COVID is an extremely busy man, but his thing was, okay, we should all call a friend every day during COVID because we're in lockdown a lot in Melbourne, just about the whole year. So his thing was, I'm going to call a friend every day and see how they are. Now, that was simple, very simple things that we can do. There's other people who just, the one story that I had was somebody who grew flowers so they would take those to a hospital and give them to to the hospital. You know, things like that. There are so many simple things that you can do that can become your social mission or just including the way that you live as a social mission. So that some of the people that I spoke to in my podcast, they do things like encourage people to recycle. They encourage people to Oh, there's a telecom company who gives a portion of your monthly subscription to a charity of your choice. And they've got 11 charities that you can choose from. So you get involved in things like that. If you can't do anything else, you can do that. Yeah. So there's always something that you can do, no matter how busy you are. Now, if you've got the time, the energy and the money, well, there's other things you can do too. Right. Well, but I think your point is well said, which is it doesn't have to be super formalized. It doesn't have to say like, I am volunteering twice a week at this particular soup kitchen and I'm giving $100 a week. You know, it doesn't have to be so monumental, so much of a task. It can be as simple as growing flowers and giving them to the hospital. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Another example that I have is is that a lady that I that I know, she she collects books and gives them to children in poverty and low income families because they don't have because they don't have money for books. She's grown her her charity to being quite large and she sends books all over Australia. Now one of the things that she does is she has these mornings where people come and help sort books. So that's something that people can just go, well, I can't do it. I can just go and spend one Saturday morning with her and do that. But what actually happens is she also encourages people to bring their children. So another lady I know who's a very busy lady, she'll take her son there on time when she can fit it into their life. She'll take her son there and they sort books in the morning and he's only seven or eight. So she's giving her child the experience of making that difference. So he knows what he's doing. He understands that that's for other children. And he always gets to take away a book of his choice as well. So it kind of it gives him that reward of this is something good to do. But, you know, we can just once in a while we can make that effort to do something that can fill our hearts for a little while and then when we feel we need need, a, need an extra buzz, let's go do something else. That uh, makes a lot of sense. So let me fast forward a bit into people considering retirement or considering paring down their work hours or whatever word, you know, if you don't want to use the the nasty R word of retirement, I'm never going to retire. That's fine. But let's just say a certain age or stage where you're really starting to think about giving back. The pressures of life uh, may not be child rearing, uh, perhaps college tuition, whatever, caretaking for, for your, you know, other family members or your mom or your dad. In either which way, you might have a little bit more time on your hands. Or even if you don't, you want to begin to give back. It's something that's been in the back of your head for a while that you'd like to do. For not not only right societal benefit, but also selfishly your own, right? You like the feeling of giving back. It makes you feel good, which is not something to shy away from, as I've heard you say. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, you wrote a book on this. How do I think about this in my brain? Where do I start when I'm considering this stage and age of I'd like to volunteer? Mm-hmm. 
Yes, and I think it's a really important thing to to go into it in with your eyes open. So it's easy enough to go, oh, well, I'm interested in, in such and such. I'll just go and, like I like animals, so I'll just go and, and help out at the local animal shelter or something. Now, then you could be literally piling, digging shit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that may not fill your bucket. <laughs> You're filling other buckets, but you won't be filling your own bucket. Yeah. So I, I believe it's really important for us to, to look into how it is that we can be doing volunteering in a way that's going to fill our bucket, which is why I had the whole methodology in my book about looking at, we look at our values. What's really important to us? How do we feel? What, what are those things that are important? What are our stories? What are those stories that, that come to mind that have made you who you are? What about the those things in life that get you excited and get you out of bed in the morning when you don't feel like getting up early? So I got up early this morning to get on this podcast So because doing this brings me joy. So what is it that brings you joy that's going to get you up in the morning, that's going to get you going? So if you're the kind of person who loves calculating figures, then, hey, let's put that on your list. Or you might be really good at that but hate doing it. So you don't want to be doing that. You've got to find those things that excite you. So one of the things that I also talk about in in my book is finding your love language and looking at that as a way of, well, what are those things that, that I do kind of naturally that make me feel good that I really love to share with people? One of my, my I have two love languages that are pretty close, but one of them is quality time. So that's what chocolate and coffee is all about, sitting down with someone and having that quality time. And other other volunteering things that I do are also involved in providing that quality time with people and touching their lives. So when I do those things, it brings me alive. So what is your love language and how can you express that in the way you volunteer? So you're putting all these things together and finding that thing that really speaks to you. And then you put it all aside and and see what really percolates in your life, what comes up that's going to fulfill you. And I think this way we come up with what it is that we can't not do, that we just get so excited about that we just have to have to do it. Now, while I say, I'm saying all this, if I go back to my own story and where I started Chocolate and Coffee Day, I'd actually done all this work before that because I was in that stage of going, well, what is it that I need to be doing in my life? Where am I to, to focus my life? And then I had all of those kind of stories and my values sorted out and I knew the things that excited me and then suddenly this was placed before me. So it often happens like that because I was ready to accept that. I was ready to see. I could see where my skills were. I could see what was going to bring me joy. I could see how I could develop that because I already had done these bits of work. And I just find that is just so important because if you go in to do a volunteer job and you get the job that just doesn't excite you, you're going to feel like you're being taken advantage of. You're going to feel like you're just not going to want to go. It's going to feel like work. Yeah, it's going to feel like work. And I don't want this to feel like work. I want it to feel like play because that's when we know that we're doing something that's of real value. 
maybe it's just me. And if it's my weird brain, then I'm sorry. But if anybody else out there watching or listening has the same thing, perhaps I'm going to just going to say it. Your approach is actually novel to me because you start with the, what brings you joy? So in other words, when I say like, I'd like to volunteer in my brain, I say, I would like to give some of my time, energy, effort, and expertise to a cause or to help people or help animals or whatever that may be. And I guess up until this point, until you just said what you said, I was attempting to approach this, I think, in a way of, well, where is the greatest need? Then I would point myself in, the de- in that direction. That's the way I've felt about volunteering. You know, when, I, when I've uh, had friends or business associates that have, you know, that were raised in the foster care system here in the United States, and it's bursting at the seams and people need, you know, uh, peer, you know, mentors for teens in the foster care system. And, it, you know, I hear this kind of a, we need volunteers. And if, oh gosh, you know, the bat signal went up, you need me, I'll go. But that's not the way you're suggesting to approach it. You're suggesting to approach it of what fulfills me first and then where do I fit? Why did my why is my brain gone to the run to the run to the house fire instead of figure out right what what brings me joy and pleasure? What's wrong with my brain or or why why should I th- why am I thinking of this and not the other way? Am I am I abnormal in thinking that way? No, not at all. There is nothing wrong with thinking that way. I think it that's how a lot of people have started volunteering. Yeah. What I good. what I am okay, just good. I'm not yeah. abnormal. <laughs> no, no. And and if you go, well, you could say that that's what I did too. I saw saw a need and I fulfilled it. However, after I had done all this work, I knew that it was something that would bring me joy. So really what I'm saying is that if you've done all this work, if you've looked at this, you don't know where you want to volunteer or how you want to volunteer, and you've looked at yourself, you know what you've got to value, then when you look around and you see, okay, well, they need assistance with with that organization, how is it that I can best serve that's going to serve them at the greatest level that will also bring me joy? That makes sense. Yeah, I like that. So I, you have to consider. I mean, I'm I'm paraphrasing, and you tell me if I'm getting this wrong. You have to consider your your own self satisfaction, even though it may seem right. Volunteering is selfless. Mm-hmm. Thinking about yourself first, you could consider selfish in your own brain. Absolutely. But you're saying you're saying be a little selfish because you're not serving anybody well. If you're not being a little selfish and understand what you love, where your passions are, and the joy that you have in the experience, if you don't do that and you just go run to the house fire, you're not really serving that house fire as well as you could be because you could have run to another house fire that would have been better. Is that, Am I getting that? Yeah. So would you be better at running the house fire if you had trained to be a firefighter first? Of course. <laughs> and I liked it, right? And I liked being a firefighter. I would be way better at that at, at that house fire. Yeah, and and so there's nothing wrong with with running to the house fire so that you can do the emergency care. But that's not going to be something that you're going to do every every day. You might there might things are still going to come up where you've got to jump in and just go. Well, I'm just going to do this. But on a long term, we want what's sustainable, and what's sustainable is what brings you joy. 
And there is that old thing about you've got to look after yourself. You've got to fill your own bucket first. You have yeah. to fill your own bucket so that if that when that overflows, then you're going to be of greater service to others. So what I'm really doing is saying when you can be selfish about what it is that you love, then you can be of a greater service to others. That's a great perspective. Thank you. <laughs> you sprinkled in some of this earlier, and I'm going to ask you to maybe. And you know, I get it. You don't. You don't have to quote. You know. You don't have to cite your sources or cite the work. But as people transition from working full time to working part time or fully retiring, there's a lot of changing. Be positive, right? All I ever wanted to do was sit on my rocking chair and fish, or all I ever wanted to do was volunteer, or on the other end of the spectrum. I'm scared beyond belief. Now what? I have nothing to do. Can you talk about the word fulfillment and what role volunteering plays in people's lives as a sense of uh, social interaction, fulfillment, right? Filling that bucket up and how just how important it is if you're considering retiring or, or slowing down the work or going to part-time work. How important is it around this age and stage of, let's say, 60s, 70s, mid to late 50s uh, to to really begin to be engaged and give some good thought around volunteering? It's a very good question because I'm currently w- working with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he's at that age. He's been working full time and he's working probably one and a half full time, but he's starting to talk about that. I'm going to cut down to to three days leading into retirement. And so I'm starting to to sprinkle him into him the ideas of, well, what is it that you can do with your time? Okay, right now, that's almost it's almost too much for him to think about because he is working ridiculous hours, seven days a week. But I'm sprinkling those ideas to start thinking, well, where is it that I'm going to be doing, going? What can I do? Because when you have no purpose, your life becomes empty. That's where depression comes, I think, I believe. For me, really, I really strongly find that if I'm feeling like my life is, there's been points where I felt like I had no, didn't know what I was doing, I didn't have anything necessarily to do, that's when I fell into a depression. And I got into a quite deep depression for a while, but it was only through volunteering that I picked myself up and got myself going again. So I think in this part of life, okay, there are things that we want to do. We want to explore. We want to, we want to do those fun things in our life. And that's great. And we should do them. We deserve to do them. However, there's going to come a time when we go, all right, what's next? Right. How can I fill my life? It's been fun doing all this stuff, but what else? What can I do? Because we don't have that purpose. We end up like some of the people in my mother's aged care facility who are just kind of sitting there doing nothing. I've known a lot of old people, elderly people, who have just sit in their chairs and watch TV as they get into retirement, and they become the cranky old men and women. <laughs> It doesn't seem like a very fulfilling life, especially if you're physically able. Um, so um, you're saying that journey definitely needs to start before you you go from three days to zero or five days, or in your husband's case, seven days a week to zero, because I'm sure it's a, a bit of a shock, right? You wake up and, and if you've identified yourself and your purpose partially, 
wholly or even partially through your work and your work identity, I'm sure it can be really lonely and really jarring to wake up and go, what is my purpose? And you're saying volunteering can definitely provide that. Absolutely. Uh, You hear from time to time people who retire and then the next day or the next week they drop dead. Yep, I've heard that. And all I can do is think that they've suddenly gone, well, my life is over. That's weird to think of that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like that might be one of the reasons, I mean, who knows, right? Yeah, who knows? But I'd like to think that if we leave our retirement, we leave with, with purpose. We, When we leave our work, we leave with purpose. I've got this purpose now of of doing something. There's a, a gentleman that I know, I've, I've known all my life, and when he was 71, he said to me, he was he was talking to me about how he got involved in, in a charity and he was doing all this, this work for a charity. Now, this man all his life had dedicated his life to helping and serving people through his business, through his church life. But he said to me, for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm making a difference. And you're like, how? You've made a difference your whole life. Hey, but he still didn't didn't feel as if he did. So it was only once he got to 71 and he was starting to to get involved in in this, he'd only retired a year or so earlier and and was now fully committed to doing something else. He still has time to go and do all the other things he loves to do. He still travels and, and goes fishing or whatever he wants to do, but he's also got this that makes him feel like he's doing something of value in the world. And without that, it would be, uh, there's just this emptiness without that. Without a purpose, we've there's emptiness. So that just gives us that that reason to just keep going, to get up in the morning rather than vegetating in bed or in front of the TV. If you have a partner or a spouse still with you along this life's journey at these stages, I'd imagine it's pretty important to align those things as well. Is it? Yes. To have that value in life mm-hmm. of I'm going to make a difference through my retirement Absolutely, you've got to have. The, you need to have that agreement in your life because if you've got one, if one of you wants to go off and travel the world for twelve months, and the other one's going, but I want to volunteer, I want to do something, you're going to have to have some kind of compromise. You're going to have to agree to something here about the way you live your life in retirement. But it doesn't necessarily mean you need to be doing the same volunteering gig. Hey, maybe it's better if you don't. <laughs> maybe it's better if you have that that separation between the two. If you're not used to working together all the time, well, maybe you need that. For other people, they're going to do really well working together on a on a cause. Nice. A couple of minutes ago, you you started to tell me the steps through the book, um, and then and then we went on a bit of a a different road. But I want to <laughs> yeah. come back to the book. I mean, it's a related road. It's the you know it's the same speed limit. It just was off that particular highway. <laughs> how does this book help people? If someone's interested in learning how to go through these steps of that you've outlined, what does the book walk me through? It walks you through the steps of just exploring who you are, what's important to you, what are those things that you're going to find joy in so that you can start to see things with a new perspective. So that when you look at, at a volunteer opportunity, you're going to be going, I really like that cause, but doing that, I'm not going. That's not going to be sustainable for me. What I'd really like to be doing is, I don't know. I've got to think of something, don't I? No, oh, fill in the blank. Right, it's going to be different for everybody, and that's yeah. part of what you're helping them walk through. Yeah. So what I really like to be doing is blank. So 
Is there an organisation within, say, maybe I've come up with 10 that I'm interested in. Is there a position in one of those that needs this particular thing or these these few things that I enjoy doing? Is that, Does one of them have one of these that I can get involved in? So that that opens the doors into something else that just goes, well, so that when you do find it, you're going to come alive. You're going to be excited about that. If I have those 10 possibilities, uh, should I feel bad about dating all 10 of them? In other words, you know, if I go to my first one and they're like, oh, we're so glad you're here, please, right, stay, I'm going to feel a little guilty about going on that second date with the other with the other piece. Or should I go back to being like, no, really, honestly, I'm better serving an organization if, it's, if I make sure it's the best match for me? I, I, in the long run, yes, you're better off making it the best match for you because you're going to be able to serve at a greater level. You're going to be able to serve longer, and you're going to it's going to be more playful for you. So if you're serving in a place that's not quite right, when there's somewhere else that's going to be right, then you you want to be there. I think it's really insightful. Uh, one of the many pieces I took away was yeah, it's it's a match because if it's not a match, it's not going to be as fulfilling or meaningful to you as the person. And it's not going to be as impactful to the organization and the people and the causes they serve. Yes. So if you're not 100% in, they're not getting 100% of you, which hurts the overall piece. Mm. Yep. Simple. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Existential questions and fulfillment. Simple. That's right. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really glad we had this conversation and I'm really glad you wrote a book about it. So obviously on the website, I'll have links to the book and of course, links to your website, et cetera, for people uh, to find out more. But before we go, are there any questions or topics that uh, we didn't cover or questions I should have asked that I didn't? Not necessarily. I'd, I'd like to just share share my mother's social mission because she turned 86 yesterday. And oh, that's birthday. It's my mom's birthday too, by the way. <laughs> Lovely. Yep. And she is a, she's just, we've just moved her into an aged care facility. She has early dementia and, you know, oh. she, her health just isn't, isn't great. And she has to use a walker. But when I was writing this book, when I got to the end chapter, I thought I'll sit down and have a chat with my mum because I didn't know what to do with the end of it. And I thought, I'll just see what I come up with, with talking to her. And I asked her about about what she does and what's important and what her message for the world was. So what I what she was telling me was that what was important to her was to to go and talk to somebody, see someone who's lonely, who's who maybe doesn't feel good, and just go and have a conversation with them and and listen to them. And so that that was her social mission as a daltering old lady on a walk with her walker. That was what she was doing. She was reaching out to people just to try to make them feel less lonely. And now in a re- in the aged care facility, she's still doing that. She'll go and see someone who's lonely, who feel looks like they they don't have anyone around or they, they need a little bit of help. She'll go and do that. And sometimes I've seen her rushing around to find the nurses to help somebody and it's just like, okay, mum, settle down. It's okay. <laughs> There's people here they can help, but she's got to take follow up on her social mission of just reaching out to someone and caring for them. So her message was, be kind, be kind to each other. And so why I'm saying this is that it's just so 
for everybody there is something that they can do. It doesn't matter how old, how healthy, how unhealthy, <laughs> there is something that you can do. So Do something. Yeah, I like it. And um, it was also another good reminder of, um, you know, you don't have to stroke a check for $10,000 to your favorite charity to make an impact. You don't have to go to, you know, some big, huge organization to be volunteering. You can literally make it your social mission to volunteer in your own way, individually, one-on-one with people that may not even know you're volunteering with them. Yes. And my, my catchphrase is, if you touch one person's life, you change the world. Yep. Wonderful. Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show. This was awesome. Thank you, Matt. I really enjoyed speaking with you. The Matt Ferret Show, related content, publications, and MF Media LLC is in no way associated, endorsed, or authorized by any governmental agency, including the Social Security Administration, the Department of Health and Human Services, or the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. The Matt Ferret Show is in no way associated with, authorized, approved, endorsed, nor in any way affiliated with any company, trademark names, or other marks mentioned or referenced in or on The Matt Ferret Show. Any such mention is for purpose of reference only. Any advice, generalized statistics, or opinions expressed are strictly those of the host and guests of The Matt Ferret Show. Although every effort has been made to ensure the contents of The Matt Ferret Show and related content are correct and complete, Laws and regulations change quickly and often. The ideas and opinions expressed on The Matt Ferret Show aren't meant to replace the sage advice of healthcare, insurance, financial planning, accounting, or legal professionals. You are responsible for your financial decisions. It is your sole responsibility to independently evaluate the accuracy, correctness, or completeness of the content, services, and products of, and associated with, The Matt Ferret Show, MF Media LLC, and any related content or publications. The thoughts and opinions expressed on The Matt Ferret Show are those of the host and The Matt Ferret Show guests only, and are not the thoughts and opinions of any current or former employer of the host or guests of The Matt Ferret Show, nor is The Matt Ferret Show made by, on behalf of, or endorsed or approved by any current or former employer of the host or guests of The Matt Ferret